Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinone. I am joined by Christopher Nee. We will later be joined by Seminole Booster CEO Michael Alford. For right now, it's just Chris and I. Hi, Chris. Hi, Brendan. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How about yourself? Yeah, it's always a crutch for me to ask someone how they're doing, and I I don't know if... Well, if you ask me in the morning, I'm usually a sarcastic jerk about it, but you're getting me at a good time, so I'm I'm actually going to say I'm doing fine today. Pete Chris Nee. So... uh, as promised, we do have Michael Alfred joining us. So we're going to go over some developments uh, with with seminal booster structures, such as uh, such as the football only facility or the football ops building, as they're calling it. Uh, some of his plans with with adding uh, and exploring options to to Doak expansion and some other projects as well. So it's a good it's a good interview with Michael and kind of sharing updates with uh, with seminal boosters and fundraising and whatnot uh, ideas for how long the football ops building is going to be. So stick around for that, please. And, and listen to that. because It's going to be a certainly worthwhile and informative, but, but first real, real quick, Chris, uh, we got a little bit of news, a little bit of football scheduling, scheduling to talk about. Yeah. 2024 FSU is going to play Memphis. I think our head coach is somewhat familiar with that school and Charleston Southern that now completes the non-conference portion of that season. FSU, in addition to hosting Memphis and Charleston Southern, they will also have a game at Notre Dame and they host Florida in that specific season. That year, obviously, dates aren't set yet for the ACC part of it, but at home they'll have BC, Clemson, Duke, and Wake. On the road, they go to see Louisville, Miami, NC State, and Syracuse. So there's your fill for 2024. Hopefully we are all still alive then and able to enjoy it. As far as dates, they did lock those in. Uh, Memphis is September 14th, which will be the first game between the two programs since 1990. They first met in 59. They've played 18 times over the stretch of 59 to 90. Were they in a conference? Were they in a conference together, or what was the they played? That's a lot of times to play. I don't know if they were in the old what was it Dixie Metro. The Metro, the Metro, right? In that, or if it was just a common opponent because they both needed games essentially. Okay. And Charleston Southern appears to be the game that will be before Florida that year, November twenty third for them. So it's pretty clear FSU is getting into a trend of having a relatively easier game before that Florida game. That's become kind of a common theme in future schedules. With 24 non, 2024 non-conference now being set, it's actually set for 22, 23, and 24. 22 has Duquesne's at home, Louisiana, Florida. I don't think that's how you pronounce Duquesne. it. Duquesne. How do you? I think it's the, Duquesne. Isn't it Duquesne? Yeah, I don't know. I, I could I'll, be wrong. I'll learn it before August 27, 2022. I promise you that. But I'm not real worried about it right now. Duquesne. <laughs> yeah. uh, and LSU, obviously, is in Louisiana in 2022. LSU returns the favor and comes to Florida. Both of those are neutral sites. The Louisiana one's at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. The FSU hosting one is in Orlando at Camping World Stadium in 23. FSU will also play Southern Miss in North Alabama, as well, of course, Florida in 23. And obviously, we've talked about 24 with the addition of today's two. I was just thinking, as you were saying, the uh, New Orleans, I know the reaction from the fan base. And I think it'd be super cool to do Baton Rouge and, and Tallahassee, but I'm not going to complain about us getting to go to New Orleans. In a year I'm more going to complain about having to go to Orlando. And I don't mind Orlando. How I like Orlando. You. I go there plenty. I know it's home for you. I love going to New Orleans. I, I am, and I think FSU is trending in this direction. I prefer games to be on a college campus, whether yeah. it's home or away. I know that's somewhat difficult to get home in a ways where both teams will agree to do that. Um, so that's why you run into the situation where sometimes it's a neutral site scenario. Go to but Orlando, I, do a little Unos, a little Pom Poms, a little Disney World. You know, there's there's stuff to do. Yeah, but I go there a lot. Well, you go and you do your Unos. I don't go to New Orleans near enough. 
It's only in six hours away. Have All right. Mond. Yeah. Let's uh, do some hand. What are the hand grenades? I'll probably advert my attention from those this time around. That a younger Chris certainly participates. <laughs> Remember, one does its job. Two might kill you. So tread lightly. <laughs> we had a my friend had a bachelor party there, and it, the night very early on in the in the evening, one of the guys dropped out where he was just sitting on a wall after having a hand grenades, sitting like next to the wall and just slamming it with his hand because he was so drunk he didn't know where he. <laughs> He was. I was going to ask, was he holding the wall up or was the wall holding him up? Yeah, New Orleans won that one with him. Uh, have you ever, when you've gone there, like been out in the morning to see what it's like? It's quite the scene. Like they're spraying it all down with, with soap and water. It's crazy. Yeah, I've been there a bunch between traveling for FSU games over there, sometimes just going over with the wife um, and enjoying it. I, I love the place. I love the music. I love the food. It's one of those places I really, really enjoy. And it's an easy drive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've kind of enjoyed it at all moments. I think I've probably done every hour awake in New Orleans in my life at some point. I've definitely done those early morning hours when you shouldn't be awake. <laughs> and I've also woken up early enough to kind of see some of that in the very early morning hours. But yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed a river walk. Uh, it's a place that I really like going. I'm looking forward to the game there. But Baton Rouge is a really cool place. I haven't gone there for the baseball games in recent years. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a football game at LSU, especially involving FSU. All right, so for the for the two twenty the two thousand twenty four schedule that came out today, uh, I was at the vet, so I didn't get to see the fan reaction to Memphis. Were they cool with that? I think people were sort of like, "That's kind of a cool idea," you know, okay. former coach playing in the former school. Mm-hmm. So that one we got Notre Dame's obviously in the mix there too, and, and then Charleston Southern. It so, yeah. brought up some of the discussion of future ones involving Georgia and Alabama later mm-hmm. in the twenties, and I think even into the early thirties where people kind of look at it as murderers row and they don't love the fact that FSU is putting quite so much on their shoulders and having to deal with non-conference schedules, sometimes where it involves like a Florida, a Notre Dame, and a Georgia or Alabama. Yeah. That's a lot to ask for whether it's Mike Norvell or the next guy to come down the pike. That's a lot to ask for any coach in any team. Super schedules. All right. So we got we got Michael Alford joining us in a minute here. Uh, what are your general takeaways, Chris? Any, any news that people should be, uh, I was going to say looking out for, but listening for? I mean, I always enjoy talking to him. Uh, you know, he's very good at keeping you up to date, but also being guarded about not getting ahead of himself. Uh, football only facility talk gave some clarity on some of the plans and even the things that aren't yet planned for the interior of that with so much square footage at their disposal. Um, name image likeness, I found to be an interesting conversation because he, that's something that that's not a new topic for him. Even before he was at FSU, he was part of the Lead One Association group that essentially is small working groups created of ADs and people of his sort mm-hmm. who are working to kind of roadmap it for all 130 FBS division schools. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's had his fingers on that for a while. Good discussion there. Again, I think FSU rolled that program out with an extraordinary plan and really executed it at a high level. And I thought the messaging, whether it was from coaches, AD Coburn, or others, or the way they delivered the video to kind of sell the program, I thought they hit it on every stop. I thought mm-hmm. they did a fantastic job just of executing a plan and putting it out there and showing it off. But no, I mean, it's always good to talk to him. He, he's a man that works his backside off. He's trying to raise money for the school. He's definitely someone who's pushing this school towards the future, which is something that's certainly needed. And he's having to do it in a climate that's not all that advantageous for trying to do what he's trying to do, because obviously you're dealing with a pandemic a football program that's struggling a great bit on the field, but a coach who invokes some uh, emotional response from people that are willing to buy in on what he's trying to do here. 
and are willing to pay it forward because they believe it's going to be better in the future. And they've done a good job of, you know, for lack of a better term, hunting and harvesting those emotions and making gains in that regard. And I think they're, I think FSU is going to be a better place because of the things that Michael Alford and some of the other people are trying to execute here in the sense of taking them forward. FSU is needed to progress and, He's someone that I feel is progressive. Mm-hmm. And and he mentioned, Michael Alford mentioned that Mike Norvell's done a really good job selling the vision of the program, which I agree he has. He's without a whole lot of reasons concretely for optimism. He's done a nice job kind of kind of planting those seeds for optimism. And as Michael Alford will reveal, uh, Coach Norvell plays a pretty large role or at least a sizable role in, in kind of outlining what he's looking for in the football-only uh, facility. I'm yeah, not going to not going to shock you that that Mike Norvell was very meat and potatoes and and what he wanted. Uh, for if it. it doesn't work, it's not for lack of trying. Is right. kind of how I viewed a Mike Norvell era at this stage. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I, I don't. That's another topic for another day, Christopher. We get into Fair that point. one. Um, I was really tempted to play Byers Sinone with with Michael Alfred, but I didn't want to do that to him at the end. And <laughs> the, there was the man had a plane to catch. He did, but we were close. There's like two or three questions where it could have fit in there. More as my mind was thinking about, it, I was like, if Josh was with me right now, I know if if. Byers Sinone was flaming out. Josh would save me. I think Chris would, you would just sit there and, and let it happen at that point. I, truthfully, I'd probably just watch how he'd react to it. <laughs> I think he would uh, handle himself just, just fine, whether it needed to be handled a certain way or not. Uh, the, the Chris knee uh, on the bench booster package uh, soon come. All right. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll have Michael offered on the other side of it. So, uh, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to On the Bench. As promised, we have Michael Alford, the CEO of Seminole Boosters. Michael, uh, welcome to On the Bench, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Brennan. How are you doing today? Dandy, doing dandy. I'm glad we changed the name from uh, from William to Michael because that gave me <laughs> it gave me a heart attack on the Zoom call there. So um, no <laughs> I was like, have I been calling him the wrong name this entire time? That would have been really embarrassing, but also uh, on brand. Uh, all right, so Michael, uh, I want to start off here. A, a few updates on fundraising. I know our listeners and, and subscribers are going to want to know about. So the On Concord campaign obviously the, the surpasses the goal of a hundred million dollars in pledges. Uh, I guess what is the significance of of that? What are you guys working on still with, with the On Concord campaign, and then the One Tribe campaign? Uh, if you have any updates on that as well, uh, we would love to hear it. Yeah, well, the On Concord campaign, of course, was set for set in motion a couple years ago, and. And really, we reached our $100 million goal uh, years in advance than where we thought we would be. And it accomplished, accomplishes so many different assets of our department of fundraising and facility needs, whether it's baseball or softball or some other ones. Of course, the, the major one being scholarships and the other major one being the football-only facility. So we're still continuing to raise money for that. Um, I think I, I touched base with you a little while ago. We had a seven uh, figure week so far uh, of gifts coming uh, mainly to the football only facility, but some other uh, gifts as well um, so far coming in this week. And it's only Tuesday. So we're, we're off to a good start 
uh, right now, but we're going to continue to raise money. You know, we set the bar at 100. We're at 106, I want to say right now, uh, right around there, roughly. And it's we're going to continue to go out, preach uh, the vision of what we're trying to get accomplished and really just talk about the benefits to the student athletes. You know, that is really my message. Of, and I was fortunate, Brandon and Chris, to be a student athlete and know the impact and development it had on me to prepare me for my career in, in the business and in, in my community so I can make a difference. And it's really going back and providing those resources and educational tools uh, for the student athletes. And, and that's mostly where all these fundings are going. You mentioned uh, the football ops building, the football only facility, uh, and obviously that news came out last week, the renderings, uh, what you guys are planning. Uh, I thought they looked great. I thought it made a lot of sense to where it was located, but the additional of that, I guess you want to call it U-shaped or the horseshoe, right. made a lot of sense. Uh, can you go through some of the process of, of ultimately like why that's the design you guys have decided to go with and that location next to or I guess adjacent to or associated with the, the indoor practice facility? Yeah, no problem. You know, we brought in Populous when I first got here. Um, I haven't worked with them in the past, and they also were had been hired by Florida State prior to my arrival. But really re-engaging them, and they know my style. Uh, they know, uh, having worked with me in the past, what some things I'm going to look for uh, in a facility, and really took a deep dive. And I've mentioned this before. I mean, we really looked at more and how we can make that project work. We looked at some other locations uh, to see and took deep dives into them to see if that's the best fit uh, long-term. But at the end of the day, um, my objectives are always to create things that have revenue generating opportunities and then create things that are gonna last the, the stand of time. 25, 30 years is they still relevant and gives us the most opportunity to recruit the best student athletes and to generate revenue off facilities and provide the, the needs that are, that are needed uh, to grow a holistic student athlete, whether that's on the field, in the classroom or life skill wise. And we came up with this location, of course, consulted with A.D. Colburn and, and head coach Norvell and, and really worked on the best location. And this is what we came up with. And we think it's the most versatile location for future growth even. And it provides us some opportunities to really compete against our peers for the top facility in the country. Were there any other, you mentioned you're looking at some other locations potentially, like was uh, connecting it to, to Doak an option? Are there any other locations that, that you can talk about that were at least kind of considered? No, where didn't I look? Uh, <laughs> and, I, I, and that's the honest to God's mm -hmm. truth. Um, everything from parking lots to, uh, how we connect it? Could could we expand more on the two wings? And would that make sense? It just didn't make sense. You know, we looked at loading ramps to docks to traffic patterns um, to pedestrian patterns, everything like that. When I say took a deep dive, uh, and that's where Populous is really good to come in and find solutions for you and really look and advise you on something with your objectives that you give them at the at the front end of saying, here's, here's the best opportunity uh, meet, to meet these objectives of what you're trying to get accomplished. We obviously saw a great deal of drawings of what the outside will look like and some of the inside, mm -hmm. but there's 150,000 square feet. Yes. So the inside, we've only seen so much. We've seen others built with bells and whistles, recording studios, barbershops, slides, right. things of that sort. 
is this facility going to include any of that? Or is this really going to be centrally focused on football and making the student athlete better? Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, and that's really Coach Morvell's style. It's A.D. Colburn style. It's my style. Um, you're not going to see any lazy rivers. Uh, not, nothing that's wrong with lazy rivers. Um, but that's not developing the holistic view of the student. And really everything we'll put in the facility is to make them better of whatever part of their life that leads to, um, whether it's on the field, how do we put in the resources in this facility to make them the best player they can be, whether it's rehab, what do we put in this facility to make sure we're giving them the best medical attention we can give them uh, with technology and everything else. What do we put in this facility for life skills and their academic needs? That's what's going into this facility. Nutrition. What are we doing nutrition-wise to make sure that we're providing them with the best scientifically proven nutrients to go out and optimize their performance? That's the, the view we're looking at right now. They're saying, what can we do? Where can, how do we best utilize this space to, to prepare the student uh, for not only in their field, but in the classroom? And then, Chris, there's also a lot of space in here that we have not even developed yet. Uh, we're looking at, okay, this thing's not going to get built right for a couple years. Even if we broke ground today, it's, it's going to take a while. Um, so what space in their new trend will be coming in the next year? Uh, and we'll leave it some space in there to be able to go and accomplish those desires as well if something new comes along. Can you talk a bit about Coach Norvell's input during that process of coming up with the renderings and plans for the entire facility? I, I presume he was very hands-on. Very hands-on. Uh, he and Coach Coburn, uh, he's called A.D. Coburn, Coach Coburn. Uh, <laughs> A.D. Coburn and Coach Norvell, uh, really the, the three of us really worked hard on it and sitting down and coming up with thoughts and ideas of what's best to put into this facility, what the design, of course, it's gonna mirror campus. Campus is such a beautiful, the buildings on campus are so gorgeous. We're gonna, we're gonna mirror campus architecture. Uh, and really then when you get inside the building about the flow of what Coach Norvell's needs are and a workflow within his staff and how he wants that laid out. Um, and that's also where Populous, having, having the best sports architectural firm in the country who has developed these across the country, professional and collegiate ranks, uh, to be able to say, okay, we've, we've installed this here and this really worked well and it's a new twist uh, of something y'all aren't thinking about. And having them as part of that group uh, really almost advising us as we came up with uh, ideas and, and then having the experience. This is my fourth one of these uh, that I've been a part of and, and having been able to go back and go and worked with Populous on several of them, be able to go back, hey, we thought this worked there. We found out after it got built, it didn't work. <laughs> so Pino, don't make that mistake again and uh, really lay out the facility. And we're not done yet. Uh, we still got a lot inside that, that we need to program um, out. And that's some of the next steps that we're working on right now. Following up on that, Michael, I understand there's a lot of moving pieces to trying to get the, this all finalized. You mentioned it'll take a couple of years whenever Groundbreak starts to kind of get this built and, and functional. Do you have a rough timeline for when you guys would, would optimally like, like to start breaking ground and get going on the project? As soon as possible. As I mentioned earlier, fundraising is going extremely well. And it's really, you know, we're over $45 million raised uh, right now for this facility and really without rendering. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our fan base and constituents have really stepped up. And uh, I was in Jacksonville 
just last night, got in town uh, this morning, uh, got a, a great visits in Jacksonville, had some commitments there, had one today at lunch about an hour ago um, from you guys. And I'm leaving on a plane here in about two hours to head to Atlanta to visit with donors about to uh, show off this facility. Um, so I can tell you, it's, it's going really well. People are really excited. They're really excited about the direction that the program is going. And, and really, the message that Coach Nordell is, when he goes out and speaks and has the opportunity to speak to our donor base, they're really excited about, one, his energy, and, but also about how much he cares for the student athlete. And that's really resonating right now with our fan base, and they're excited. Is there a dollar amount you guys have to get to when you feel comfortable breaking ground? Uh, like X yeah. marks the spot? Yep. That's a great cr- question, Chris. And it's one we're working on right now. Uh, I'd hate to tell you something because, because it may change. Um, but we do have a pro forma uh, that I'm working across campus with for not only this facility, but the stadium project as well. Um, it's about, uh, I'm not lying, but I'll tell you, it's about a 40 page pro forma. Uh, it's the same one that we built Cowboy Stadium with. So uh, I'm accustomed to, to working through this system. And uh, the processes work. And um, as soon as we can sit down um, more in detail with it, we've been sharing it and, and going back and forth. And it's still a work in progress, uh, but we're excited to, to break ground as soon as we can. You mentioned the the project with Doke as well, and it's, you guys are very ambitious and doing a lot of really cool things and rolling out a lot of a lot of ideas and projects uh, with some of the renovations to Doke that you're proposing. I guess what was the the general feedback from from the fan base? I guess once you put those those plans yeah. out there in motion, one hundred percent positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I, I've been able to go out and have some preliminary discussions, not the discussions we're going to have. But once again, we just took the fa- feedback from our fan base and we did the study with CSL and they and took the and incorporating the amenities that our fan base said they wanted. And, and I always bring this up and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but really we need to change. Uh, we need to provide a different experience to Doe Campbell on a game day. Our fan base travels from 60% from an hour and a half, 70% from over three and a half hours. Uh, Where are they coming from? Major markets. What are in those major markets? Uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Jaguars, Tampa's, Miami's, uh, Orlando, basketball with with the Magic. You know, they're accustomed to different amenities and having the opportunity to choose their experience on a game day. So we're incorporating the feedback we got, 91% of the feedback of one of the largest returns of surveys to CSL has had in the collegiate market. 91% said we want a long-term plan and renovation to go. Uh, We want these amenities and even price points uh, in our surveys. They told us, hey, we will upgrade of what we're contributing on an annual basis if we have a different experience. So we're gonna put those and working with Populous again, we we took that study, we incorporated it into the stadium of where we think uh, would be a best fit. And now we're just gonna go out and talk to some donors about it and and make sure that what we're doing is on the right path. We're not, we haven't gone and asked for bonding or any financial analysis yet on it. Um, I, I know about the cost of what it's gonna be. But we're going to go out and call it a pre-sale and sit down and sit with the constituents and show them the product and let them make an educated decision and commitments to it. So then we can go back and say, okay, we are on the right path. Uh, let's, Let's move this forward.
before diving into seating and reconfiguring Wi-Fi? Is that something that's immediately on the horizon, you hope? That, that is important. Uh, Wi-Fi, your culinary experience, just the way that uh, the, the experience you're going to have on a game day, uh, the different options you have, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's being in a social gathering, whether you still want that seat uh, to sit there and have that experience that we currently have. It, it's really about having about 10 to 12 different experiences throughout the stadium where you can choose uh, what you want your game day to be. Regardless of what happens on the field, by the time you leave, we want you to say that I, I had a good time and made a commitment. Because you talk, we talked about how far people travel. Well, not only is that a monetary commitment of hotel rooms and travel and tickets, your culinary experience. I mean, that is a commitment. Also, your time commitment of coming to Tallahassee and spending a weekend. And there was a study done in 2014. We converted it to 2018 dollars. That 59.9 million dollars of revenue comes to Tallahassee from Florida State football. I mean, so we need to keep up um, with the latest trends so that our fan base does want to come here and participate on a Saturday. With the new seating tiers and options, is a PSL something that's in play? Uh, We're taking a look at it. I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. We're looking at our um, donor base right now, what we have been charging. I tell you, we haven't increased our annual giving since I don't believe since 2006. Um, so it's been a while. Uh, so we've asked CSL to do a comprehensive study of the top 20 um, institutions, attended institutions in the country stadiums um, and looking at everything from, from the annual giving per seat locations, uh, just to make sure that we're still relevant with what the latest trends are and what people are, are asking for the uh, amenities that they're putting in their stadiums. So you mentioned, Michael, some of, some of the different things you like mentioned, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and uh, all these really cool venues in the region. Uh, there are like there is concrete evidence like this type of premium seating method works, right? Like that's yes. something you guys have kind of used to base these these models off of. Yes, sir. Um, you know, it's very similar. And this is a very similar project. And I hate to say it at a previous place, um, University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's eerily similar. Uh, on what we did with the football renovation with the complex. Uh, we had a ten, we had a 10-year-old building, I want to say, might have been 12, the Switzer Center, that we totally just tore down and, and started over and, and built the facility there now. And while we were doing it, also addressed our infrastructure needs at the stadium uh, that was in dire straits and needed repair. And that's the product that's there now. And I was fortunate enough to, to lead that uh, design and fundraising for. And um, so the process works and, and we, we looked at what we did there. We've looked at what Texas is doing. Uh, we've looked at uh, what some other schools have done, Louisville within our conference, uh, what they just recently completed. You look at the project Wisconsin's got going on right now um, and, and just trying to watch Utah just launched a, a similar project and they've broken ground and will be moving in soon. So you're looking at what trends are going across the country and um, just trying to incorporate the best and learning from all of those and putting them into Doak. Uh, well, we think we have the finest fan base and now we're going to have the finest stadium in the future uh, in the country. We know you're a little pressed for time, so we're going to move on to NIL, name, image, likeness, the most popular thing to talk about. Chris, I, now you're is. taking something that's, that I've spent the last year and a half on. I was going to say, lead one program, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it is. 
it is when they asked me to do this, and I don't know if, if everyone here knows, but I am co-chair um, for all the athletic directors in the country and have been for about a year and a half on NIL and have worked with the NCAA and, and Washington, D.C. And, and many everybody in between on this project or process. Um, as a matter of fact, the NCAA has formed a little private committee um, of six of us uh, now that, that uh, have been meeting on this as we look to move forward. But, you know, I'm 100% in favor of the NIL. I, I am 100% uh, of letting uh, the students go out. And, um, you know, we prov- I always say this, though, to clarify, we, we provide the platform, right? Um, student A is not student A. Uh, student Athlete A uh, does not have that name, image, and likeness without the platform uh, that Florida State or any institution provides. But that's also said they, they can go out and monetize uh, off that platform, and I'm 100% in favor of it. If a student can come here in our our top business school uh, in the country and, and be recognized for going to be at the top business school and go out and monetize themselves, I'm all for them too. Um, and it's going out and just giving them the opportunity to do that. With that being said, there needs to be just some guidelines. And I love what we're doing here at Florida State uh, and sitting with with our group is we're really taking education of our students to another level. And when I say our students, it's it's also uh, students on campus because we're going to working with our business school, entrepreneurship school. We're going to be sitting there uh, and educating our students on how to grow their brand. And it'd be things such as, you know, I, I'm a computer whiz and I want to work at IBM one day and I want to work at Amazon. Um, how do I grow my brand and increase uh, my relevance when I'm out on the job market? Um, how do I grow my brands through social media? So when people, when I do apply for a job and they go look at my social media accounts, maybe I want to be a financial planner and I'm out there posting about the reading the stock market and where people should be investing and hitting numbers, right? That they see that I, that I've done this and have concepts and ideas. And it's really taking our student body and giving them the tools and educating them on the tools on how to better prepare themselves for when they go into the job market. And that's no difference than what we wanted to do with the student athletes is educate them on the rights that they have through the NIL process, but also setting them up for success through that process. I thought A.D. Coburn, when he appeared on Packer and Durham discussing it, did a great job of saying we're going to let the state rules govern us for the time being. How important, and you have a bit of a peek behind the curtain because of your job with the lead one program, um, is it for either the Congress side of it or the NCA side of it to create kind of a uniform code for everybody to abide by as we tread into this new territory? There's no, no doubt, Chris, you didn't know in the head. We have to have a uniformed um, priority set in place, and, and we're really working hard at that. You know, it's been interesting and in having talked to so many congressmen and their representatives through this process. Um, a lot of them were like, well, Michael, you know, we need to be providing academic uh, education and tutoring to our student athletes. I'm like, check, we do that uh, 24-7. Uh, okay, well, we need to be doing health care. Well, check. Uh, or a lot of the things that are in these bills are already being provided. And it was eye-opening to a lot of people in D.C. that these services are already provided uh, to them. But it's also taken that a step farther, though, and giving them their rights. Uh, to go out and monetize themselves uh, within the given climate and 100% um, in favor of that. 
So I have like five other podcasts that I do. It's probably gonna be like 20 by the end of the month. It just keeps <laughs> just keeps expanding. One of them is is a stock podcast where it's just basically us being awful at stocks, but uh, th- there's a crossover sometimes. So there was an FSU fan who asked a question about NFTs and he had this idea of FSU selling NFTs to of like either really cool moments in FSU football history or like trophies to boosters to, to raise money. Have you guys explored anything with, with NFT games so far? Is that something you'd be open to? I always open to anything. I, I was trying to put all of our money in that Dutch Bitcoin that took <laughs> off the other day. Started off at eight cents and you look up and it was just rolling in about three hour span. And I was like, ah, why didn't we just put everything in that? Um, but, you know, we're open to anything and, and trying to be entrepreneurs ourselves. Um, and that's the great thing about the Booster organization is we can look at things that, that can drive revenue and really looking at different revenue streams. Uh, and it, but really, it all boils back to supporting the educational mission of the, of the university and supporting the educational mission of our student athletes and how do we provide the funding to provide opportunities for them to go on and be the great leaders in their communities after graduation that they are. And uh, I can tell you, I love going out and sharing their stories uh, to our fan base because they we do have 550 great stories to tell about when these kids um, and, and I mention it all the time, for many of them uh, are first-time college um, attendees and their families. If we can provide them the resources to graduate, we're not only changing their lives, but we're now changing that family's lives for expectations. Because now the expectation of that family is to be a college graduate. And it's a generational change. So as, as we grow our annual fund and we're 73% towards our goal, we've eclipsed where we have been the last two years. Really excited about that. And it's, and it's still early um, that we continue to be able to provide those resources through that annual fund to provide those educational opportunities for our students. All right. My, my last idea, I know you're pressed for time here, is just to help make money. Uh, the Chris Knee experience. All right. So you basically have boosters pay to sit on the bench with Chris outside the Moore Center as he waits for recruits for six hours. Nobody I, wants I will, to do that. I will pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've told you, that's, I, I call the two of y'all to find out what's going on in the world. Um, as I sit here running the business day by day, that's where I get my fix. Yeah, so let me call Brandon and Chris and see what's happening. Now, I appreciate the work you all do. Y'all, y'all, are, y'all do it well. You do it first class and uh, just and very honest information. You got all do a good job. Thank you very much for that. I've got one last question before we let you roll out of here. At the beginning, when you were talking about Unconquered Campaign, you said additional projects. You mentioned baseball and softball specifically. Mm-hmm. Can you shed any light on some of the ideas that are being tossed around for things to do for those specific sports? Cool. Chris, do you want to walk campus with me facilities for one day? Oh, I'd love to. I'll point to that scoreboard at softball. I know Lonnie would like a new one there probably. (laughs) Baseball could use a little paint. That is one of them. You don't even want to know. You you just come stand five minutes with me at the baseball stadium and watch these wheels start turning. Uh, (laughs) I'd love love to walk around and give you ideas. My staff would tell you um, we have not touched Doke yet, right? It's a concept. Uh, and some other things. I'm like four projects down the road. I'll walk down the, the hallway and go, all right, we got to get started. And I want my, people's minds on that. And they're like, Mike, we haven't even gotten the dope yet. And, and you're four steps down that. But that's just the way it's it's about providing a vision. And, and more important than that, processes and a roadmap to say, here's our priorities, but but time them. Uh, we can't, you can't do them all at once, but 
having a concept of, okay, we're looking down the road of what needs to be done at Tolly Gym. You know, how much longer can, can women's volleyball play in Tolly Gym? And, and what is the long-term fix there? And that's just one example, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but looking at the scoreboard and softball, it's already one of the best facilities in the country, but we're missing that. What are we doing at soccer? Uh, and just having concepts and a timeline and a plan to how we address those needs. All right. Is that everything for you, Chris? I know we got to get going. It is. Here, right? All I right. very much appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. Yeah. Oh, no. I appreciate you guys. All right. So we want to thank Michael for, for joining us. Uh, I will direct our listeners to go to uh, easiest way to do it. Just go to Google, type in Seminole Boosters right there. And that's going to take you to the Twitter account. It's going to take you to the Seminole Boosters, boosters.fsu.edu. But just make it easy, Seminole Boosters. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the bench. Uh, safe travels up to Atlanta. Maybe the seven figure week turns into an eight figure week. Who knows? Fingers crossed. It, it would be great. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how, how exciting our fan mix has been and uh, about all, everything that we're looking at doing and uh, they're really responding well. And we'll just continue to go out and, and share the benefits that we're able to provide these student athletes. But once again, I appreciate everything you guys do. Uh, thanks for having me on today and go Noles. Awesome.